Welcome to our latest podcast and today I'm delighted to be joined by Holly Moore. Uh, so a frank conversation with Holly Moore from Make Events. Holly uh, has been in the events industry sector for a number of years now and obviously it's a sector that is under particular pressure and facing significant challenges at the moment. We'll get into that during the course of the conversation but more importantly we use these podcasts really to inspire other business owners and entrepreneurs and Holly does have an inspirational story behind her career journey to date. Uh, I'm sure there's more to come uh, but as always we love to hear stories and we love to hear about how people have carved out their successes. So welcome Holly, great to see you. Hi, how are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. I'm just uh, like everyone else, struggling through the lockdown, but you're helping us with that, as uh, as we'll get into later. Um, so listen, tell me about how your career journey started, how you got into the event space. Yeah, so I think um, my career journey was a bit of a late start. Um, I did a management trainee scheme with Arcadia, which was the Burton Group at the time for a couple of years in retail decided that what I absolutely loved was that front of house customer service, creating an experience for somebody. So I would thrive off the experience they would have in store as opposed to um, you know, being interested in the, in the fashion side. Um, and then so I moved into hospitality, but at a very low level, you know, I was just doing like reception duty management, worked my way up, kind of partied hard and you know, grafted like doing the hospitality industry. Um, and then events started to become a thing, I would say like early 2000s. And um, I eventually got the event coordinator job at the Kidlington Club, which some of you golfers, I'm sure, would know. Um, and it was a really multi-purpose role. You know, I, I would sell the space for golf days, meetings, weddings. I'd be, um, I refurbished the whole suite, chose everything. I did cold calling. Um, I would drive the bride and groom on the buggy, on the golf course. Uh, I mean, just like literally anything and everything. Um, and did that for a few years and then kind of got spotted because I had um, one of the head people at Bayes at AstraZeneca, which is a big employee engagement um, department, AstraZeneca kind of spotted me and um, there was an opportunity to apply for the head of events there. So literally that's where I'd gone from like private events and small meetings and everything into like using events as a way to engage employees and I was fascinated with that because we didn't, you know, we we didn't do much of that where I was. So it was all about recruit, retain, motivate, and events was part of that mix. Um, and I just absolutely loved it. I got to get involved in so many things, from like long service awards, to team building, to themed events. Um, yeah, so that was kind of my career before I went freelance um, and, and eventually set up Make Events. Um, yeah, and that so that took me up to like 2011. Right. And it all sounds very seamless, Holly. Um, but I'm sure in terms of, you know, getting yourself that recognition and being able to put yourself in a position where you're being headhunted, um, yeah. let's just stick with that for a moment. It, it's hard graft events, isn't it? And as I say, yeah. I think an awful lot of people who from the outside are looking in, see the glamour and the glitz of an event yeah. like, because that's what we want them to see you know we do yeah. a lot of events at downtown and you don't want them to see all the crap that goes on yeah. the other scenes you want them to just yeah. quit and have a great time and think that it's all glamour and glitzy um, yeah. but that must have taken an awful lot of your time at an age when let's face it an awful lot of people are actually 
just doing the party inside of that. Whereas you're, yeah, um, you're, you're having to graft to make sure other people are having a good time. Yeah, I think because I started off in retail, I was always used to weekends and late nights. So I kind of have never done that nine to five. So um, yeah, an event is literally like if you've got an event, you're on site from like five, six in the morning. You could be there till three, four in the morning. You know, you literally have 10 minutes to run in the toilet, freshen up your makeup, yeah. grab a sandwich or, or, you know, whatever. I've got to be honest, I don't do as much of that now. The team kind of do that because I try and go into different you know, I'm in different avenues within the business, but um, yeah, you have to you have to earn your stripes. There's no two ways about it, and it, it you know it's cooling out, and it's also hard for the partner if you've got a partner of that person because it's hard for them to understand when they're maybe used to the nine to five. But I think going back to sort of getting noticed, yeah, I put a lot of time into networking myself. Um, you know, local networking. I put my hand up for anything over and above you know, my job role, I would like to get involved in everything because I want, you know, I wanted to be seen at the end of the day and, you know, it's a big, big pool of people out there, aren't they? So. Yeah. And to get recognised in, in a city as busy as Manchester is always a challenge as well. Well, funnily enough, when I know we'll talk about how I started to make events, but when I did start making events in 2012, I didn't know anyone in Manchester. I was so mm. green. I mean, I actually, I'm really embarrassed to admit this. I didn't even know what KPMG was. This is only eight years ago. <laughs> I've been in the Disney World of AstraZeneca, lived in Macclesfield, so I was like, you know, mid-30s. And um, yeah, I was so, so green. So actually, yeah, it's not, I didn't come in to make events with a load of contacts. Yeah. You know, I, I know no one. So it has literally been, <laughs> you know. <laughs> 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 and, and I think that, that, you know, the other thing that, that perhaps we can, talk about now is that okay so you've been headhunted you've got this senior events managerial role yeah it's a job that you enjoyed yeah what was it that made you go home one night and decide i want to go out on my own and do my own thing and it literally was that so um i'm quite open about the fact i had ocd for five years quite severely not around cleaning health <laughs> hygiene Thank God. And there's loads of different strains of OCD. It's massively misrepresented. But it was a hugely dark time in my life. Um, Horrendous. But no one really knew because I could do this on the outside and crumble, you know, when I would get home. So I struggled with that massively for five years. And um, I had... Uh, so I had two line managers at AstraZeneca and one was massively supportive and eventually after a five-year battle um, supported me to go and do um, group therapy which you wouldn't apply to every mental illness it's a very very specific therapy that's only available in Manchester London for this specific kind of OCD so it was like every Tuesday afternoon for three months and he supported me to do that he even offered me six months off work fully paid to recover um, which I didn't take because work, I mean, I hate to say kept me sane, but it kept me sane. Um, but my direct line manager, then knowing all of this, um, basically handled the whole thing really badly um, in terms of oh, just a number of things. And the straw that broke the camel's back was they talked to me about a promotion for about four months. So I'd been, so I'd recovered and they'd been talking to me about a promotion for about five months, dangling a carrot. Um, you know, I said, I was only on like 25 grand, this is eight years ago, and I said, you know, just really would like to work towards that 30 mark, it would be really great. And um, 
I've been working really hard, probably 50, 60 hours a week, you know, to get to be seen. Mm. And um, was told at a networking event with a glass of wine in my hand that, oh, we decided not to offer you that job. We're going to create a new role and bring somebody new in. And it was so, so badly handled. And I'd been with my original employee nine years. I'd been at AstraZeneca four years. I am not flaky, you know, I'm very, very loyal. But I think recovering from something as severe as I had, and I believe that I did retrain my brain, um, I realized that I'd been a real yes person, you know, see me, see me, yeah, I'll do that, yeah, I'll do that. And um, I remember going home that night and just saying, I'm gonna leave. And like, my mum and dad, I wasn't at home, but I must have seen my mum and dad that night. We're like, what? And I was like, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna create a three month egg, three month exit strategy and I'll go. And because I'm not on good money, like, I can create that, I can freelance, I can work in a bar, like I'll do whatever, but I'm not being treated like that. Um, I'm pre-getting well. I've never been that bold, you know. Anyway, so I, the weirdest, weirdest thing happened to this day. I will never get over it. I said that on the, like, Monday night or whatever it was. And on the Tuesday night, my friend that owned a bar in Nutsford and a girl I knew that had a party morning company phoned me that day out of the blue and offered me some work. And I was like, yeah, I'll take it. And I handed my notice in, like, literally the next day. Um, so the initial thing was just, I'm not going to be treated like this. I've got an opportunity. Why don't I leave and see what happens? That's kind of how it started, really. And that was so the first year, which was 2011, crossing into 2012, I was freelance. Fantastic. What, a, what an inspirational story. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering whether you've ever been back to that place of employment and done the Julia Roberts line, you know? Do you remember me? It's a big, huge mistake. <laughs> yeah, I have spoken to the good boss, um, the the guy actually. He came to see me about a year ago because I really wanted him to see what I'd achieved, and I just wanted to really thank him. And I said to him, I would always. It's funny actually that you brought this up because I've always said to my team because they know the whole history. It's like part of the induction into the company, and I've always said if I could ever be that boss that makes it a huge difference to one person's life, that would be my job done. And weirdly enough, it's a bit of goosebumps. I actually think what we're going through at the moment and the way that I've led the team, like I can honestly say for once, I really think I've done a good, good job. And I really think I will be remembered because we were all saying, this is a moment in history that we're always going to remember. Who are, you, who are you with when Boris announced lockdown? Who, you know? And so I feel like, I've kind of achieved that, that I will be a part of their lives somewhere in their memory forever. And that's kind of what I want, like that was kind of what he inspired me to do. It's a nice legacy to leave, isn't it? Yeah, it, yeah. And when you reflect on that period of, of your life, Holly, because it was clearly a very difficult one for you. Yeah. Um, there's two things that, that I'd say, really. The first is that, you know, now people uh, are relatively comfortable uh, talking about mental health challenges and that's a good thing you know we progressed so much in terms of being able to open up and, and encourage people to have those conversations in an open and honest way and then of course the support infrastructures that are available both in and out of the workplace are much stronger but back then not so much so you know that must have been for you as as a, a person at the age that you were must have been quite difficult just to have the conversation. Oh, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was, I can't even describe to you like the terror that I lived in, the fear that I lived in was just 
horrendous and it just came upon me like one day and because I part of the strain of OCD is if people that get OCD are perfectionists they have really high consciences they feel guilty about a lot of stuff and um, so because I was getting all this all-consuming horrible intrusive thoughts I just got on the phone to the doctors as it like because it was just so alien to me and very very luckily because I'm going back now um 2000 oh gosh I think 2003 maybe I can't remember um I had a doc the, the doctor there um recognized it as intrusive thoughts but it was such a fluke that he did because later down the line when I would see a locum or whatever they wouldn't know what it was and he literally straight away said it, you're having intrusive thoughts um do you have private health care I was like yes because I was with AstraZeneca um right we'll get you through to inquiry so I was just so so lucky at that time whereas it, I think it's more highly you know recognized now but I was ashamed I was embarrassed um I, I didn't actually talk about it Frank until um two years ago in January um a brother um Phil Jones asked me to come and speak to his team um, and that was the first time I ever thought about it the reason I didn't was a I needed to know 100% it was gone and it was never coming back because what's the point in me trying to tell a success story if then I have a relapse mm. um, and I've been through enough trauma in my life since then that would be a trigger for it to come back and it never has been fine um, but also because it sounds awful because it did start becoming a popular topic about. I didn't want to just look like I was jumping on the bandwagon. Oh, what well, Holly should have mentioned it before. <laughs> so I think there's a saying about like share a story when you're comfortable with it and you're comfortable that the audience that hear it are worthy of hearing it. And um yeah, so I once I did it the first time, like it I got such a great reaction. It was like, oh right, okay, you know, people are interested in this kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. And and just in terms of clearly coming through that difficulty yeah. and then getting to that position of right I'm going to go for it now I'm going to do my yeah. own thing um, and to set up a business in that event space again yeah. you will have been around the sector by then to know that this wasn't an easy challenge right <laughs> there's some big competition out there yeah. Uh, yeah. and you know you've self-confessed that you didn't really know the Manchester market in fact you didn't know anyone in Manchester um, so yeah what were you thinking I mean I, I mean this is the thing though isn't it Holly this is where you do distinguish between you know an entrepreneur or somebody who you, you think well naturally they should be in business and people who actually you look at and think you should never start your own business yeah um, so so at that point okay you've gone home you've, you let's face it you're in a bit of a, a fit of peak because a promotion that you were expecting has been yeah. taken away from you. Yeah. Um, now, again, I would suggest to you that 95% of people would say, right, I'm going to pick the phone up tomorrow. I'm just going to phone around and ask people if they'll give me a job. And I'm sure that may have been your first instinct. What got you to the point where you said, no, I'm going to set my own business up. I'm going to set my events up. Um. I think so. I'd done the year freelancing and again, less money than I had on a salary. But what I absolutely loved, which I'd never experienced before, was I was working for two sole traders. So there was so much scope, and I've always loved business development. You know, at AstraZeneca, it's almost like running a business within a business. So I would always make things look bigger than they were. You know, everything would be branded, everything would be logoed, everything would be in a, you know, have a story. Um, so I loved 
absolutely loved it being like mine and you know even when I was freelancing for these two people so what happened was um I was going to go into business with the girl that had her own party planning company and we fell out um really lovely story about never burning bridges we've just reconnected eight years later which is amazing so that's lovely um but yes we fell out and i and i was like oh my god what am i going to do well i'd had a case of working for myself even though i wasn't earning much money and i remember that with my dad and my dad had his own business and he just said why don't you just make yourself available for events like you know let people you know you're doing it have a go see what happens and then if not you're going to get a good job probably somewhere else so don't worry about it so literally that's what I did and my sister had just moved to America so I thought it gives me a little bit more freedom I mean it didn't but it's <laughs> the old thing and um yeah just so I just literally set up designed a logo um what had happened that was great and again you know a lesson for everyone is just don't burn your bridges and always be open and honest because the girl I nearly went into business with I got her two clients and she actually said to me you can have these two clients and I said well okay I said but will you email them copy me in and then they can see it's all above board and they feel comfortable. And she did that actually for me, which was amazing. So I kind of started with a couple of clients and then I just got on the phone, like you say, not knowing anyone in Manchester, I just got on the phone to the venues because I knew I had a venue inquiry. So I phoned all the venues that were, whether they were suitable or not, just to be like, hey, it's Holly, I've set up my own, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then people were interested and I think, you know, a lot of the, the people, not to be sexist, but the work in the hotels are female, you know, in the 20s, 30s. So I think they kind of like were rooting for me a little bit, those girls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I get, I, I absolutely get that. So as you say, Holly, obviously a lot of people rooting for you, particularly other young females, which is natural, of course. Um, but, but nevertheless, again, I, I'm sort of reflecting on that time. Um, the event business as such was still a relatively new industry um so you know there's there's opportunities and challenges that go along with that so there's yeah. not necessarily a natural pot of customers that you can go to uh, but nonetheless yeah. you can start to carve out a reputation and yeah. a way of doing things that perhaps is yeah. a little bit unique and, and as i say gives you opportunities as well yeah yeah um so were you think are you frozen? No. no, I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, I, yeah, it's so my age at, at this age. Holly, <laughs> you look as though you're frozen, even when you're. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think we did do things differently. You know, there's some big names, amazing companies. You know, you had Liz, um, obviously Liz Taylor and Julie Perry in the private sector. You know, and you know, very notorious and amazing at what they do. You had WRG, which is like the global. Corporate, so we were a bit hybrid at that time because we were doing some private parties, but actually mainly corporate. Because I think the thing with the private parties, which would be good to touch on later on in the interview, um, is that you really do need a rep for that. Do you know what I mean? So why, you know, when you've already got great people doing it, so the corporate seems to be what picked up. And I think what we did was a bit different in that I was thinking to myself, right, if I was these we've got a lot of venue referrals going back to the people rooting for us and I and I thought right when I didn't work for an event agency I always wanted to because that seems like the best job because it's the most creative and you book all the celebs and you do this and you do that so I thought so if I'm sat in an office at the Lowry or the Radisson or whatever and I'm booking events I want a piece of make events because it looks really fun and I and I probably would like Holly to notice me because if a job comes up to make events, that could be really fun. 
so we started to build this relationship like one of the things we did literally in like the first few months we did um, make Mondays better so we found out of every single person that worked in the events office in the Manchester hotel their favorite hot drink cold drink snack and alcohol and every Monday for three months we picked the winning hotel and we drove and dropped off these goodies and it might be like cans of pims chocolate whatever so they all started sharing it on social media you see yeah. so that gave us like loads of traction and i don't think anybody and without fail we would get to handwrite the notes we've got pictures of it makes me laugh how we have the time to do it but i think things like that really and we have we constantly changed our brand to purple logo it's not the logo that we've got today so then we used to do loads of purple things and we, we got we got called like team purple on twitter and stuff like that we kind of got a bit of a name for ourselves yeah that what when you think about it i hadn't thought about it like, like that but yeah it's probably different but i think i used to put myself in what would i love to get in, you know delivered to the office what rather than just like a box of thorns what would i really love or what i love would be great to, you know so i kind of put myself in their shoes i think a little bit yeah uh, yeah and i th and i think uh, again you've sort of referenced this already um but you've always been good wherever you've worked at making whatever you've got look bigger than it actually is. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and that is important, isn't it? I mean, when, you know, because all new businesses uh, are by the very nature small. Uh, yeah. so, so often there's a couple of people and who wants to buy off a couple of people? You know, you've got to make yourself look as though you've got a scale and a capacity that can deliver. Uh, and obviously you are very good in terms of the marketing side uh, yeah. of what you do. Um, yeah. But again, the, the thing that probably distinguishes you from a lot of people is when you were talking there, I don't know if you picked this up yourself, you were talking about attracting talent to work for your business. Yeah. Now, a lot yeah. of business owners at all levels would say, and every, every bit of my focus was about winning customers. Whereas yeah. you were already thinking very early on in that business ownership career, I want to attract great talent. I think the way that we always, um, so our strap line, which evolved, it, we didn't get it till 2014, but it was a, an accumulation of what I'd always believed in was that our, we, so our strap line is we create the ultimate experience in a virtual world now. <laughs> but we create the ultimate experience, but I, it was never, it was always the ultimate experience for clients, suppliers, colleagues, and venues. And that because I'd worked in all those four to get to where I was. So I understood what a venue wanted from an events agency. I understood what relationship a supplier wanted from an event agency. So I understood, I always used to call it like all spokes of the wheel, but I understood every single position. So even with venues, silly things like if you've never worked at a venue, you don't know if you swap a chicken curry to prawn curry, that's going to cost more money because prawns are more money. It's little things like that. And I think, so yeah, I was always able to put myself in people's shoes. And then I think, what then happened is we started to recruit. People wanted to work for us. And, you know, I, I did a, a thing yesterday and I have a lot of people come to me and say, oh, I've been following Make Events, I love what you do, blah, blah, blah. But then you have to balance that, which is what you're saying with what we do sometimes struggle with is, yeah, it is all fun and creative and exciting on um, Instagram and LinkedIn and everything like that. Yeah. But the hours are long. There is horrible admin to do, you know. One of my team at the moment, actually, she started her own Instagram, and it's like the highs and the lows, and she's showing her, you know, no makeup at four in the morning versus, you know, stuff with Dermot O'Leary. You know, it's highs and lows kind of thing, yeah. 
Yeah. And let me just, again, stick with this point before I get into the yeah, success right. of Make Events. Yeah. In terms of, because again, you spoke about this a couple of times briefly. Yeah. Um, and, and sort of skated over it, and I get why. Um, but it can impact on personal relationships, it can impact on your family life, it can impact yeah. on your social life. Um, yeah. And so those pressures are pressures that you as a business owner have to cope with, but yeah. then be conscious that your team are having to cope with those same pressures yeah. and, and you having to try and support them in that. Yeah. Um, how, how difficult is that, Holly? Because I think, again, all business owners, you know, events is a, a, a particularly difficult industry sector in this respect. But I guess, you know, most business owners listening to this are thinking, yeah, I know where she's coming from because I can be doing 60, 60 to 70 hours a week and my partner's a bit pissed off as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not married now. I was married, but he was always very supportive of it because he came from that industry. So I, I never had any problems with that. But one thing I remember he did say, and I, I guess this would be the same for other people is, you know, it's hard to relax. It's hard for a partner to relax because you're not coming into like 10 and 11 o'clock potentially some days and you're like, ah, like that. So it's not a it's not necessarily a calm, you know, life to, to you know, to live with. So I, I would always reflect on that for my team. So things that I've always done for them are, um, you know, if they've been doing really well and I'm conscious that their partner will know they're working long hours on a particular project, I've been known to drop a message to the partner and say hi I just want to let you know like Alex has been a superstar this week and I just thought he won't tell you but I will yeah. um, and things like after a certain project I've maybe given them a voucher to go to like the Ivy or something like that what else have I done so a couple of years ago we did our first event where all the partners were invited that was brilliant because they you know they're then putting the face to the names that you know that were talked about mm. um I think as well, what's been really interesting about lockdown actually is that we've done this Friday drinks every Friday from 4.30 and we've actually got to know everybody's partners really well because they've come on the Zoom. So I feel like I've got to know everybody's partner even better in like the last five weeks. Yeah. Um, I think it's just, yeah, and I think that's what I learned at AstraZeneca is that they, you know, it, it's just important to acknowledge, uh, you know, it might, yeah, just acknowledge or if you ever meet the partner or the mum, or the sister, just go out of your way to say, do you know what, such and such is a really good job, we love having them on the team. You know, um, it's nice for them to hear it from me, to know that it's appreciated. Yeah, great advice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay, make events, you're making a noise, um, you're doing some great social media stuff. Uh, yeah. I'm guessing at that stage, listen, you're not earning your millions by this time. Uh, and uh, what was your first, what would you consider to be your first big break? I mean, I've talked about this quite a lot. I feel like I'm, I'm a bit boring with the story, but it was meeting Fred Doan. Um, and that was, again, the Lowry recommending me to him. Um, and he took a chance on me. I think he can spot grafters. That's what he'd always say. And I think he saw something in me. You know, I remember him saying to me, well, you've got no record on your own. Why would I use you? And I was like, just let me do the proposal and business business if you like it you like it if you don't you don't and he then he rang me to tell me he'd got the job and basically said don't it up <laughs> <laughs> and uh he basically said keep everything confidential until after the party then he can tell who you want do that for me and I'll, you'll be on my you know and that you know that relationship 
with him and all his family has been quite amazing and wonderful. Um, and you know, he won't mind me saying, um, I looked after Mo his, his late wife's funeral, um, and it was not it was the most beautiful celebration of life you would ever you know ever know. Um, and yeah, to be he spoke at my company conference to my team. Um, you know, his family have all been, he's been in touch with me through all of this. So that, that gave me a break because Fred, you know, at the time was, I don't know what he is now, number three, which is in the Northwest. He could have used anyone, like money's yeah, no yeah. object to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, and he picked me and then, you know, it, that got me noise and Chris McGuire picked it up actually. And then put me through for the budge, budge too. So yeah, you know, it, it, you say it's a lucky break, but Fred wouldn't, no, like not to blow my own trumpet, he wouldn't work with a muppet. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So that that gave me a lot of credibility very, very within like the first six months. So that was fantastic. Yeah. yeah there's yeah. People often say don't be lucky, break, but actually, if, the more you're in business, the more you realise that you make your own luck. And yeah. Certainly, you know, it will have been the fact that you were doing all those marketing activities and you were investing a lot of time. Uh, an effort into putting yourself about and getting well networked that have paid yeah. those dividends. So there, there was nothing lucky about it. It was it was hard graft and hard work that got you in front of somebody like yeah. Doe. Uh, and yeah. so then make events, you, you know, you're starting to develop a bit of a reputation. You've got a big client on board. That always makes life a little bit easier because you're going into the marketplace then with, as you've said, a track record. Um, yeah. And then you start to develop a business. And, and again, Holly, you know, I, I think back to, to 2003 when I started downtown. And, you know, there are parts of me that miss those days because when you're starting a business, there's an excitement. Uh, there's that little bit of divilment within you where you think, well, I can, yeah. almost, I can almost say and do anything because no, nobody cares is, is, is one part of that. But equally... Yeah. Um, you almost don't care because you're taking a bit of a flyer. As the business starts to become successful, it gets a little bit harder and different because you're then having to protect the reputation and be a little bit more cautious in terms of those things that you do. And then, of course, the big challenge, uh, you have to start employing more people. And yeah. you've got to start taking people on your journey and making people buy into your vision. Yeah. Um, what's that been like for you really tough actually because um i would always say i'm not a great people manager i'm a good leader and i think this has shown me that over and above um anything really and so i have not trusted my gut instincts a lot of times um i've not taken the time to stop and think and listen and i'm getting really good at that now mm. even during this situation where i've had you know people why aren't you feeling all your dreams straight away like why aren't you doing this and i'm like I will do what I feel is right in this situation. And if every single move I've made, I've considered it and then done it when it felt right. But I haven't done that in the past. Mm. So I've ignored doubt. You know, I think we've all done that, haven't we? Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, that, that is probably the bit I've struggled with, actually. People management, picking the right people. Um, I have to say, it's so frustrating because... The, the month before lockdown, me and Alex, who's at my commercial director, we just got the team because we'd always struggled to recruit males. 
um, and not that that you know not that we would, would want to as a, as a massive sample on diversity but it just balances and it brings different things into the team and we just got that balance right we had the most like pre-lockdown amazing team and me and Alex sat there on the last day at the office and were like if this comes back this is the team, like it's unreal that we've just found this now and then we've got to kind of retract to go back. But yeah, that is that is 100% my weakness is people management, I would say. Um, and I think that is my, what I'm focusing on at the moment is to really um, thicken up that management team when we go back. Mm. I, I think that's a great point that you're making there that again will resonate with uh, a lot of business owners is that you can get to that place where you think we've got a great team in place now. I just want to keep this group of people together and that will be yeah. ideal. Yeah. But then of course life happens, doesn't it? And those yeah, people, yeah. because the great people, uh, get other opportunities, yeah. get other offers. And it is almost like you're on a treadmill. Of it is, yeah. To refresh and keep your eye out for other talent because you don't yeah. know your talent's going to move on. And then yeah. of course, and I don't know this has happened to you but it's happened to me it happened to me massively last year um you appoint some bad people and yeah. uh, when i say bad people by the way i don't mean that they're evil with devils not the right fit. they're not yeah. the right fit for your culture yeah um yeah. Now, now that's that's difficult for all sorts of reasons it's even more yeah. difficult if they don't recognize that they don't fit um yeah but you you know you will have had i'm sure you will have had that challenge as well holly yeah, and we hadn't had that early on in the business, and then it has happened over the last couple of years. And I think what we've tried to do, I mean, obviously to maintain uh, discretion, but I think what we've tried to do in a situation where it's maybe not been right is manage that in the kindest way possible. Uh, and sometimes think, do you know what, for the sake of a couple of months' salary, you know, does that just make that person's journey easier? Um, so we've always tried to do it in the kindest way possible. Um, but it is hard, it's hard because you're, you might not think somebody's right for the business, but I'm quite a caring person and I will always think about their family situation and, you know, oh God, and, you know, and I do think about that a lot, but then that's maybe sometimes makes, that's why I'm saying, I don't think I'm sometimes a good people manager because actually sometimes people just want you to be straight with them. And I will sometimes go all around the houses because I don't, I'm, I'm scared of, uh, you know, I'm being completely honest, is I, I worry about people's livelihoods and their futures and, you know, and then you also reflect on yourself, what did I not do that made it that this person isn't performing in the right way? Because ultimately, you know, have I set them up for success? Maybe I didn't, you know, so you, you reflect a lot on yourself in a situation like that, I think. And when you recognise um, your own personal weaknesses, as, as again, all good entrepreneurs do, yeah? Yeah, um, yeah. The, the thing that you've got to then do is find people who can fill those gaps for you. Uh, yeah. so, so again, you know, you, you've mentioned Alex a couple of times in the conversation yeah. today. Um, but equally, you're still an SME. You're still a small yeah. business. So like me, like again, many people who are listening to this, yeah. you can't afford big management teams. You can't yeah. have, you know, a management team of eight and, well, that's okay. I can delegate all these different things and people yeah. and to all those people. But again, what I've noticed from you, Holly, is you've started to surround yourself um, with some very smart people. And again, listening to the conversation today, I'm guessing that you're taking bits and pieces of advice 
I'm, I'm fitting that into your business plan moving forward. Yeah, yeah. And I've, well, funny enough, I've just started working with another couple of people that I hadn't done before. So we've just actually engaged a PR agency. Now, we just engaged them as going into lockdown. And a few people said, well, cancel that. That's something you can cancel. And I was like, Do you know what? I'm not going to. Even though, like, literally, we've got no revenue. <laughs> There's no live events happening. I was like, Do you know what? I don't know if you've ever read the book, Grant Cardone 10X. And it's all about like in a recession, in a situation like this, the people that survive are the people that go harder. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to take a run on this and just keep him going for the next three months. Um, and also like, that's great because like he's offered a completely different um, inspiration into the business. He works very much in like the influencer sector and the influencer sector is really strong. So that's interesting. And then because I felt like the massive problem with the business in the last year has been the organisational chart and tried to do it a million times. And I'm mixing personalities with, so I've got a guy that used to be CMD of McCann and he's got his own consultancy and he's doing some work for me on the org chart. And, you know, he was amazing. He said, listen, I really feel like I can add loads of value. Just pay me when the business starts making money again. So, yeah, you know, two they're two new influences quite recently actually, but I need that. Like I need that outside influence to keep me engaged and excited. Mm. And, and if we start to think about um we, we've come on to all the horrible bits of the lockdown in a moment. But if you start to think about, you know, the positives, um, you know, what I've found over the past four or five weeks is that I have had a little bit more breathing space to think about the business and the direction the business needs to go in to identify perhaps um, some key personalities with the, within the team and to give them a bit more responsibility it, it does give you that space doesn't it that we don't ordinarily get when you're going at 100 miles an hour yeah. which is yeah. what happens when you we're in normal times. Yeah. And, uh, and again so have, have you found that Holly that you that you sort of sitting there thinking actually there are post-crisis going to be opportunities for us here yeah i think i started off very like that i'm very gung-ho and like we can do this we can do that and we wanted to do you know we calculated being quite frank with you um you know i calculated in mistakes last year that massively hit our bottom line because we were making mistakes on supply costs and then not obviously couldn't charge back to the client we would do way over our days that we would charge for. So that affected our profit margin massively last year. So actually I'd worked out that we could afford like a kind of another senior role because if that senior role had been checking everything, mm. we wouldn't have, you know, see so we're equated like that. So there were loads of projects like the training and infrastructure that I've wanted to work on for years. Like I've got this vision. So we have started to look at that. Um, we are developing, we've got a couple of departments we've always had that we don't shout about. So um, private side, which I can talk about, and then the design studio that have kind of always been under the radar because make events is the, you know, the big one. But we've been working on those because they, they can offer quite a lot at the moment. Um, so yeah, we have started to do that, but I don't know about you. Um, because my first project was like, get the running costs down. That is like the, the main thing that I need to do. And that is a hard slog. Mm. And then it's working out, okay, well, they've given us a holiday off this, but we're going to have to pay that at this point and all of that. And, so I found that being a creative person clogging my brain up mm. and I've got the ideas, but then I've got, what did somebody call it the other day? Is it priority paralysis at the moment? <laughs> I'm like, where, 
where do I start? Yeah. Um, and so if I'm being completely honest, I am struggling to focus actually because uh, I'm like, uh, 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 you know, I want, I want to do this, but I need to get a bit of revenue in and it, and I need to check the team okay. And then I need to speak to the building as operator. So I'm going to be honest at the moment, I feel super busy. So like every, every minute, unless I'm in the gym, cause I've got a gym at home, unless I'm in the gym, or I'm drinking too much gin, <laughs> I'm working, and, but maybe not that effectively, if I'm completely honest, because I work better, like, say, one-to-one, or in a brainstorm, and then we, we one of our um, brand values is get stuff done, and we'll have a meeting, and be like, right, if we're going to do that procedure, you type it now, then we'll come back in half an hour, and that's the way I work, yeah. so this is a struggle for me, because, you know. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I've sort of found just being out of the office, has given me a bit more thinking time. And, and the yeah. other thing that we were we were pretty hopeless at, to be honest, is, is back office stuff. Yes, so we've exactly. got this CRM system that yeah. we've been promising to update forever. And yeah. it's one of those jobs no one wants to do, uh, but it's always on the agenda. Uh, yeah. You know, and again, every business mentor you speak to, business coach tells you not to put things on the agenda if you don't actually seriously think you're going to deal with them yeah anyway we've dealt with that you know well, we've, i'll we've have to put your brains on that because we've, we've, we're looking at yeah. ours at the moment so. but we've, we've 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 sort of used the last uh three weeks to get people beavering away on that because they've got time to do it yeah. anything else do the boring admin stuff so that's yeah. been great uh, and then again a bit like you you start to think about initially there's a bit of fear there, isn't there? Of oh, it's always going to be like this, and we've got all these bills mounting up, and it's okay being given a holiday, but you, they're not going to pass. Um, so you know, I planned on promoting a couple of the team internally, and obviously you start to think about whether that's wise at the moment. But then equally, you think, well, do, do you know what? If you've got a, if you're confident in your product, if you're confident in your business, then yeah, you know, the the point that you made earlier. It's when you're in times of crisis that actually you've got to demonstrate a confidence in your own brand because if you're not confident about your own business, why should anyone else be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. And I think I mean I think I've been super positive. The last week, I must admit, from you know, from what you're saying, and it's a watch out for me, I have been down because there's just no guidance on social distancing and that massively, mm. you know, our bread, you know, our most profitable events are 250 people above shoulder to shoulder. Well, we're not looking at that till a vaccine. So I think a bit of realism kicked in this week. And then I also have to be mindful that I don't show that. I mean, I'll listen to this, but I don't show that too much to the team because they need the belief that I give them. Yeah. Having said that, I think being they what they have appreciated is over, I've over communicated everything. And they have said that they really appreciate that. And, you know, um, you know, I've said to them all, I don't know what this business looks like when, when we go back, even though we're still working out. You know, the organisation charts likely to be different. The salaries could be different because they were built, we always paid over market value. Um, but it could be different because it was based on a profitable, thriving business with a, a pipeline. Mm. Um, yeah, so um, I don't know if that was the answer to what we were talking about. But no, we got to I, that anyway. But yeah. that, I, think, I think every business owner will be sat at home having exactly the same thought processes. You know, what do yeah. we do? Do we think about damage limitation or do we think about growth? Um, yes. now, now, the only thing I would say, Holly, is that, you know, I'm thinking about growth because 
Um, we went through this in 2008, massive crash. Yeah. I don't think it was as bad as now, if, if I'm completely honest. Yeah. At the time, it felt as though the planet was going off a cliff edge. Um, yeah. But, you know, we took the decision then, we're just going to plough on. We're going to continue to market. We're going to continue to yes. invest in our... I agree, I agree. continue to be positive about this. And the fact of the matter is that, that those companies that did the thing that you were talking about earlier... Oh well, we'll cancel this. We'll cancel yeah. this. We'll we'll stop networking. We'll stop marketing. We'll stop here. Those yeah. are the companies that either went bust, sadly, or that really struggled to come back, and it took them years to do so. Yeah. So, so as much as I can understand and appreciate why people are having those sort of contradictory thought processes, at yeah. the moment, my strong advice to them, having been through this once, yeah. would be stick with that positive side of your mindset yeah. because that is what will get you through this yeah yeah i think so and you know and i have been like that on the main um i have um and there are other agencies that have made the decision to close because the horizon probably isn't rosy for 18 months um but i i actually walked to the office a couple of times this week there's no one there and i was struggling at home and I don't know if I'm supposed to say that, but I needed a printer and things like that. And I thought I need to go into work to get my job done. We needed to put that was at the post as well, because we're trying to hear if we'd got a grant, which we're not. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so I went into the office. And do you know what was really good for me? Because our office is like fabulous. I mean, Chris is in there. And I just sat there and I thought, I'm not letting this go. Yeah. I only did this office yeah. like 10 months ago. Yeah, it's great. I'm damned well. if yeah. like this is going to beat me. Yeah. And yeah, but, and you know, and I think that was good for me actually to get in that headspace rather than, you know, yeah, I think, I, yeah, so I think that was good. Yeah, good. Well, listen, you might have been having all these different mad thoughts and not being as positive as, uh, as you'd like to be at times. But I'll tell you what, we've been following your social media accounts and looking at all these fantastic posts that you do. Aww. And I think you've uh, rightly been named as one of our business heroes. Yeah, it's so chuffed. Well, it's well deserved. And, uh, and, you know, so that positive mindset, um, certainly from you as an individual, is shining through. Uh, and I can just, you know, a plea, I'm sure, from the whole of the Northwest business community is, please keep it going because if you ever need to put a smile on your face, just click onto your Twitter account or your other social media accounts and have a little look. It's been absolutely Aww. fantastic to see Holly. Oh, thank you so much. I think, I think cause I have like, I think cause I am on, like I say to my own as well. I think like when I've done something like, cause I'm, I'm like the most rubbish cook ever. So I've been like teaching myself stuff because there's no one to tell. I'm like, Oh, I'll post it. But actually like I get quite a lot of joy from that. And then, um, so I just think I'm not going to worry about what people think. If people say, oh, here she is again doing another selfie. I'll be like, well, yeah, but I've got you no know, one to talk to you, so I'm going to do a selfie. <laughs> I really quite like this outfit, and it's just, it needs to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but I think also what it does demonstrate on a serious note is that creativity that you clearly have. Yeah. Uh, and that's what yeah, you yeah. it into your business, into that event space as well. Um, and so... You know, I'm guessing, uh, and listen, you and I don't know each other really well, so I'm making all yeah. sorts of assumptions here. But when I look at you and the type of personality that I see, I'm guessing that it's that creativity and being able to take, you know, a blank sheet of paper 
and then create this amazing event that really is what keeps your juices flowing and motivates you to keep going. And and those private parties uh, that you guys organize, my guess is Holly, and I may be a million miles away here, but my guess is that's what gets you out of bed in the morning, puts us in your step. Do you know what? It's funny. It's funny you should say that actually, because so we've done that. We separated the private parties into another brand about four years, three, four years ago. And at the time, Time, uh, we wanted to focus on the corporate and Marnie Millard who's a Nichols PLC Vimto said to me why don't you just do your private parties a bit under the radar because it's a bit exclusive and then you know people want the privacy and everything like that but we've built a really really good reputation with it so with the, the limited company was um, Holly Moore Events which I was always a bit uncomfortable with we renamed it to HM Events last year two weeks before lockdown because I've got um, a lady that runs that for me now Rosie um, they presented the new brand, which was scary for them because they're presenting me with, you know, yeah. and it was amazing. And then I, I don't know what you think, but I pulled back from launching it because of what was happening. But also, I didn't want people to think, uh, even though this limited company has been set up like four years, that, oh, are they setting up another brand? So if it all goes, take up for want of best yeah. word. They can liquidate that and move on to that. And I'm in a dilemma at the moment because I think private parties will come back first. And we've got all this amazing, um, we've got like eight years worth of events that we've done that aren't anywhere in the public arena. And this gorgeous new brand that they've done um, and a team ready to deliver them. But I want to be mindful of launching it at the right time. And I do potentially think those events will come back before corporate. Because I yeah, think people yeah. want to get together. Yeah. But when you say, yeah, they definitely, definitely like my fire because you can be so creative. But I tell you what really does like my fire now is we do our own internal communications events to make events. Like we do full on proper conferences that you would do for 200 people for our team of 20. Yeah. And I absolutely, because it's my brand, yeah. I'm used to doing that for other brands, like helping deliver their strategy to their team. But to do it for my team is that really, you know, really does light me up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a tough one that in in terms of uh, when the right time to to really launch that, that new brand will be. Um, I mean, my instinct is, listen, I'm really impatient with stuff like that. So my instinct would just be go for it. Uh, And again, I think, you know, you made the point earlier. Do we really care that much about what some people think? Yeah, you know, no. and it's so gorgeous. Yeah, you know, and, and those people that know you and know yeah. that you're in it for the right reasons will see it for what it is. You know, a, yeah. a, a great growth story. Yeah, yeah. It would, it would be exciting, and it give the team <laughs> give the team like a bit of you know to be doing something nice and new and exciting rather than kind of like crisis you know planning and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and you know what? Again, you know, if you, if you look at um, the news that we're having to to read and watch at the moment. Yeah. Of course, we're all having to, to look at it because we're all worried to an extent about yeah. the future. We want to know what the next steps are in terms of the government and so on. Um, but there's there's too little good news about it, isn't there? So, yeah, again, I, you know, I mentioned very briefly that, that we promoted um, two of our team, Helen and Abby, yeah. and we oh, put that me. story out last week. And, and the number of people who've contacted me to say, Oh, it was just so refreshing to see a bit of good news. 
Yeah, yeah. So, you know what? You're probably right there. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so worth worth pondering. I think worth pondering. Yeah. Now, listen, we 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 we're not going to finish on this because we want to finish on a positive note. But you know, offline we were chatting about where we are at the moment and the hospitality sector. We deal an awful lot with. You know, we yeah, great, yeah, great members who who are in that space. Um, I think the one thing that's killing them at the moment is uncertainty. Uh, and a little bit of a roadmap out of this. Now, again, yeah. listen, I haven't been a politician. I understand and appreciate the pressures that these guys are under. I'm not suggesting yeah. it's easy. Um, but the one thing I think that would start to be to begin to give you guys a little bit of hope and light at the end of the tunnel is some of those practicalities. So what are... Yeah the social distancing measure is going to look like. I'm aware that in Europe it's been reduced from two metres to one and a half, for example. Yeah. Therefore, you can then start to look at venues that could appropriate fit those sort of numbers. What is that number going to be? Yeah. You know, they're the sort of things I'm guessing, the sort of information that you can't wait to get hold of. Well, that's it. I mean, you know, I was saying to you before, I feel like celebration events are going to be affected massively because everyone's come to the bar together dancing together so i think they'll be affected conferences we can manage if we know the parameters but it will um affect you know you, you're moving up venues really so where you would have maybe placed 200 people at the lowry you're now going to have to look at 200 people at the kimpton because it's got more space um, and then is that going to inflate the prices because the kimpton would normally want 400 in the ballroom but now they can only have 200 so there's a massive knock-on effect there um, or we were talking to one client yesterday where they used to merge their Manchester and London office for an event. Would they now hold it separately, more local, you know, so one in Manchester, one in London with some live content, but then hybrid that with some streaming between both venues. So, yeah, I think, you know, that's why it's not that I'm being pessimistic, but I think if you are on the worst case scenario, which is when the vaccine comes out, mm. then you can manage your forecasting and your finances to get you through that period. Um, and I, that's why I'm erring on the side of caution at the moment until we hear otherwise. Mm. And the sooner they can get that information out, the better. I'm sure you'd, you'd agree. So, so listen, I, I'm going to... I would have wanted to talk a little bit longer with you, but obviously we've got this challenge of internet connections and so on. And the other thing that that, that, that I'm absolutely going to do is we're going to get you into the downtown studio when we do come out of lockdown so that we can do this interview in a little bit more of a, a, a civilised way, Holly, if I can put it that way. Um, I might have my boots done and my nails done by then. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Oh. Lockdown life. <laughs> Look at the state of those nails. <laughs> um, so listen, last point I'm going to put to you, yeah. and as I say, we, we could talk for, for ages because fascinating story, a fascinating business that you've got. Um, if you were talking to your 30-year-old self, which was probably about two years ago now, <laughs> um, and you were giving yourself a piece of advice as to... Yeah, let's say three things that going into business you wish you'd have known then what you know now what would they be so weird because that's why i've been thinking about at the moment what were the mistakes what did we do wrong so we've got a chance to start again in a lot of ways and i'm now answering my own question um set things up properly back of house mm. first or yeah. you know 
while your expenses aren't that much, you know, when we were working out of the dining room, when we were working in a £300 a month office, that would have been the ideal time to bring in an expert to write the training and write the infrastructure, but you don't because, you, you know, you're penny pinching. Yeah. But now to bring it in, it's, you know, you've got, you know, a huge monthly running cost. So I think set up, if you feel like it's got legs and you believe it's going to succeed, a bit like you were saying as well, set up those back of things properly from the start and invest in them to do that for you. Because um, I think that would just make life a lot, lot easier. And then also probably say, which we didn't always do, but almost like recruit talent, experienced talent right at the beginning. Um because I think you get as well, you can get a lot of people that are doers in the beginning, which are equally important to business. But that person that's better than you, that's done it before, that knows more than you, can drive you forward quicker. Um, I don't think I'd, ch- I mean, as much as you've got your frustrations and you wish you'd done things differently, I don't think I would have changed too much because it has just been like an amazing journey so far. And you learn by your mistakes, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, the one the one piece of advice I would have given myself when I started yeah. my own business, and you know, because I never in a million years would have thought I'd start my own business. You know, I've mapped out. Really? Well, I was just going to be a politician, you know. Yeah. Um, and then th- that sort of changed my my life, changed direction for reasons I won't bore you with. Um, but the one thing that I wish I'd have done at the very outset was get the financial infrastructure around the business. Yeah. Uh, I was working with small financial advisors, which, to yeah. be honest with you, we've probably only really done for the past 12 months. Yeah. So it's, you know, 16 years later. Yeah. That yeah. yeah. Uh, I wish I'd have done that uh, when we started out. And that point that you made about having a strong infrastructure in place at the very start. Yeah. Uh, but again, you know, listen, uh, like you, there's not much of anything I'd change because uh, it's been a great ride. And yeah, 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 you have to take the knocks, don't you? Yeah, I always say I'd rather have a life of 50% ups and 50% downs than 100% boring. I always yeah, say. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. You're not that. You're not the sort of uh, flatline sort of character, are you? That's for sure. <laughs> for sure so listen as i say a little bit challenging in terms of the connection oh. today so apologies for that but it's been great to speak to you oh you we, too we will definitely get you into the downtown den live when uh, oh. we're, we're post coronavirus and, yep. uh, and keep doing what you're doing holly because as i say you're an inspiration to us all well, thank you so much i've really really enjoyed our chat it's been brilliant awesome. thank thanks, you. thanks holly bye. cheers bye bye, bye.